Are you Laura Palmer? I had another Monica Bellucci dream. I was in Paris on a case. Monica called and asked me to meet her at a certain cafe. She said she needed to talk to me. think that is there chopping wood inside and we're back uh i'm murphy tom are you out there we live inside a scream my friend inside a one-year scream it's been our one-year anniversary since the climax uh, thrilling conclusion of twin peaks the return congratulations we're still doing this thing <laughs> yeah it's been one i think what like year is you, it <laughs> <laughs> yeah one year ago um, we were on the eve of the series finale, and uh, we were, I, I think I stayed up all night just watching episodes back to back. I couldn't sleep, so excited, had no idea what was in store for us for 17 or 18. And uh, here we are, like you said, a year later, still talking about it and still loving every minute of it. Do you think we figured it out? No, it's it's impossible. It's, I think it's impossible to figure <laughs> no. everything out. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are things that we've discussed that we feel really really good about. But Have we made headroom. Yeah, at least we maybe a little bit with it. But there's so many. I was just prepping for the podcast. I was going, what are we going to talk about? We've got like 56 of these shows. Like it was something new, something fresh, and uh, um, there's still things that we're trying to uh, figure out and discover. Some of them might not be as sexy as like Cooper, Laura, Dreams, or parallel universes, but uh, there's so much to digest. And you said something very interesting on the phone not too long ago. Um, we were talking about this particular subject, and you were more along the lines of, I don't necessarily want to try to like figure it out from like my kind of vantage point, my like, little intellectual mind. I would like to get at where Lynch was coming yeah. from, and kind of, and w- which I thought was very interesting. Um, so you want to talk? Yeah, about that, that I mean, well, that's just the thing. All the fans are like, "Why well, try to figure it out?" Like, well, I'm not trying to figure it out for me. I just want to know what Lynch and Frost are thinking when they did this. They had to be thinking something, and I, th- I think they are fairly certain. I think that Frost has alluded to that. That they had a plan. They know what's going on. They know. They have to know what's happening. So I, that's all I'm trying to do is figure out what they're thinking. I have yeah, no idea I, what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that's it. If someone just tell me that, I'd, I'd be very happy. Well, I think we, we have enough of Lynch and Frost, both their previous works, independent of each other. And then, of course, when they, they work together on, on Twin Peaks and where their kind of creative mindsets are at. And I was watching an old uh, YouTube video, not too old. It was from last year's, I think, UK Twin Peaks Fest. Um, because we had talked, I think, the last podcast about someone mentioned that the original intention of the NATO character was not how it played out in season three. And uh, we speculated how, you know, that might have something to do with Laura Palmer. We'll never know. But the source of that is this interview that Sabrina Sutherland gave. And one of the interesting things was that uh, uh, she said that the original two-hour script that they wrote, they really spent the bulk of their time crafting and submitting, and that's what they submitted to Showtime, didn't have any scenes in Twin Peaks whatsoever. And she was completely shocked when she read it. And she also said the NATO character was in that as listed as Asian woman and how her role played out was, like I said earlier, was completely different. So I wonder how much different that particular two hours is to what we saw. Do you think they maybe just mixed in some Twin Peaks scenes like the Lucy at the sheriff's station with the insurance guy? And maybe it was on the lodge, you know? That's like part two, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would just two. be all of, a lot of Nido in the first one. That would be a lot of Lodge travel, and like Cooper will be doing all of his travel escapes through the 
the multiverse. Well, what about the, the NATO character? If she wasn't going to be someone in this purple room, if she was going to maybe be in the real world, do you think there might have been a different interpretation of her? Um, not She might have been part of the Blue Rose Task Force, and they just decided to spin, <laughs> spin her off. She's, like, she's such a good character. Let's give her some more time. Who knows? I have no idea, but I wouldn't think that like Nido's presence would be anything more than what we saw in the purple room. It might be more of that, you know, but, or it would be another lodge pres- a pre- you know, place where she could show up like the Red Room or whatnot, but I wouldn't think that she would be showing up in the real world or playing like well, the wacky was, neighbor. <laughs> well, I was watching part two again. Now, I don't really, I haven't watched a lot of The Return in the last several months other than when, when we're about to do our series Rewind, but um, for some reason, I just popped in part two late last night and watched it. And uh, um, it, it, every time that I watch part two, it, it gets stronger and stronger. And I really think that a lot of, the the clues as to not the whole mystery but maybe related more so to Cooper and Mr. C and really what is going on in the the red room slash black lodge can be found in that particular episode what well, a because we spend the most time in the series in that particular episode but there's just so what happens like, like, sum it up what happens I forgot what happens in part two so well, it's primarily part two is primarily and I think this is another reason why I, I like it so much and it's growing on me because well the, the expectations are, are gone they're, they're done it's it's over and we can accept it for what it is and, and I love it I still have expectations but, you still have expectations, four. even though we, oh well, of course, season four. <laughs> of course, but it really is focuses primarily on Cooper and Mr. C. That really is the bulk of the show. I mean, it starts off with Hastings, like oh my god, and 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 you know the sooty woodsman Stewart with his head coming off and Phyllis getting shot. But then it really goes into like you know vacillates between Buckhorn and the Red Room. But watching it again, the electricity that is in the Black Lodge, we have the evolution of the arm with the electricity you know, on these little branches or whatever. But I've always kind of taken or connoted the electricity in the world of Twin Peaks primarily uh, being attributed to the Lodge Spirits and maybe as a, a, form, a form of travel. When Cooper's trying to get out, when the evolution of the arm says, you, you know, go now, I think is what he says. There's one point where Cooper is blocked from entering another room and we hear the electrical sound. So maybe there's a kind of security system in the lodge that prevents Coop from traveling freely from room to room? Or maybe he doesn't have the right key? Did he try to turn the invisible doorknob at that point? No, he didn't have that no, in his toolkit. So he didn't yeah, have it yet. Toolbox. He didn't have the tools, the necessary. He didn't know the invisible doorknob. So he, when he was supposed to go out, he couldn't get out. And so he ran and he went to his Dougie land, his Dougie retreat. Hi! What I really want to kind of get into is uh, Cooper going back in time in 1989 because I, I, we've talked about this a little bit, but uh, this is going to oh be boy. a heated debate, my friend. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, remember that scene in the Blu-ray, uh, the behind the scenes? I think it's one of the first um, little vignettes, and it's the scene where Laura is from Fire Walk With Me and Cooper shows up and he saves her and Lynch is in the trailer. He's in a trailer and he's sitting down, he's smoking a cigarette and he's talking to Kyle McLaughlin but we can't see Kyle McLaughlin. And Cheryl Lee comes in and he looks at her and she's made up to be like, you know, 1989 Laura Palmer. And he's like, wow, you look great. He's like, and he goes over the scene with uh, McLaughlin and Cheryl Lee but we never see Kyle McLaughlin. And then it cuts a couple of points where it cuts to like the, the B-roll footage in the woods, like behind the scenes, but you can't make anyone out or just little kind of uh, atmospheric shots that the director put in there. But it got to me, got me thinking because when you look at Cooper in part 17, when he goes back in time and he's in the woods, he looks like youthful. He looks younger. Um, I'm not saying like CGI like younger, like Laura Palmer is, but maybe they did something with him, like a little subtle thing um, to make him look a little bit younger. And the reason why they didn't show him in the behind the scenes footage is because they didn't want to allude to that in some fashion. A practical because, effects, like a makeup thing they did or something you're saying? Yeah, I think lighting has something to do with it. But a, a thing is, is that his hair is like fuller. That's the thing that, that, that really got me going on this track is that in 17, when he goes through that door in the furnace room of the Great Northern and he meets the one-armed man and he does the poem and then you see some, some static and there's a close-up on Cooper, when you see his face illuminated, his hair is like 
flat and it's like slicked back and he looks really like haggard and weary and then he goes into the scene with philip jeffries and it's uh it's kind of similar it's not as flat his hair's not as flat but then he goes back to 1989 and he looks youthful and his hair is like fuller now this could be just a complete just uh you know cosmetic choice but it got me thinking that what if possibly that the Cooper that was with Philip Jeffries, who was finding the date of February 23rd, 1989, to go back in time, that that Cooper at that moment did not actually go back in time. What Jeffries was doing was finding the moment in time with that figure eight in that little circle to where Agent Cooper of 1989 was and plopping him into the woods to save Laura Palmer. But how would that 89 Cooper know to, know to do that? Well, that goes into another big thing that uh, we were just talking about before we started podcasting is that this whole thing with time being like a one-way street and uh, time only moving forward and uh, and in all of our lives, we have one notion of our past. We all have probably regrets and would like to do a million things differently. What, what if Cooper, through all of these machinations of the Black Lodge and the cosmic aspect of it and, and trying to find Laura Palmer and maybe Andy in a different timeline, all these different things here is that what we're seeing are different iterations of Dale Cooper doing the old sliding doors thing, like making different choices. And what we're seeing is those play out. Maybe that's why we've got like five Coopers seemingly is that we're seeing five different tributaries of this linear straightforward timeline or it could have just been a dream of cooper like going into like 1989 and trying to save laura at the end it failed and he ended up back in the red room it could have just been another part of his uh lodge dream or if you're saying like it's it's like all offshoots of potential realities of his life you're saying like that could be like in the spectrum of the lodge i could see that could be that could be true like he could have made different choices but i think it could also be i mean i think it could be a dream because he you know one thing he didn't look like if he in 17 or when he went back in 89 the black and white scene if he looked real if you're like holy shit that's cooper from 1989 but they didn't do that he looked like 50 year old cooper he looked a little cleaner a little cleaned up and he looked particularly old like they aged him uh, in the scene before when he was in the lodge doing the electricity thing which you're commenting on but i think that still he didn't look uh, markedly different in 17 he looked more made up in the lodge before that scene you know what i'm saying so i tend to disagree with that one which I've said before, <laughs> you privately. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not saying that that's it, but there is something that's very interesting about that particular Cooper in 1989. Is it just as simple as Laura disappearing and there's some kind of zero end game happening and poof, he winds up back in the Black Lodge? Or, because that's what we do see, in the beginning of 18 or does that Cooper that we see remain in that timeline for a period of time and is able to influence events maybe make what a, timeline that 1989 timeline well we only saw him for that and then he popped back out he was immediately back out as soon as she disappeared he was boom like the next scene he was back in the lodge again so we didn't see him spend a lot of time in that but maybe but he that, did you're right how cr cruel of uh, Lynch not to show us that though or it could be as simple as this that what we're seeing here is just multiple uh, iterations or possibilities like you choose your own adventure from this linear timeline. Like he's going in, like there's one timeline where we saw the original series. There's one timeline where he shows up in 1989 and he saves Laura. There's another timeline where he knows all about Judy and gets with Major Briggs and devises this plan with two birds with one stone. It's all this stuff that like maybe he had all this knowledge and that's what we saw played out and like say the original series, but there's all these other possibilities and that's what Lynch is, Frost are showing us. As opposed to just time travel and wiping out and retconning or whatever, maybe it's a little bit denser than that, a little bit more deeper. Do you think the retcon really happened? And do you think that the, when the, the sign that Gordon Cole was waiting for Cooper, the, when, it, when it happened, when he remembered and Albert remembered, oh yeah, I suddenly remember. Was that the moment when the retcon took effect and that was the sign that he was waiting for? The sign that who was waiting for? Gordon, like I'm waiting for Coop, waiting for the sign. What oh, to do next? That, I, I don't know. I haven't heard from him in 25 point. years. It's a good question. Certainly consistent with his fuzzy memory of the Jeffrey scene. Or if it is a retcon, maybe Coop's message to Cole about doing everything he can to find him isn't related to his exile within the Black Lodge, but his journey after crossing over into Odessa. I mean, would the Coop of the original series really have the knowledge of killing two
I understand. I think the retcon happened because we saw Laura's body uh, disappear from the shore. So I, I think that it happened, and, and, and it just seems like the whole fuzzy memory aspect that's going on with multiple characters and what's going on in Twin Peaks connotes this shifting timeline. But it just also at the same time is that do you think that that if that's the case, that it would merge into one timeline? It just seems like there would just be always these two timelines. Maybe what we're seeing cinematically is one timeline and it's, it's getting fuzzy, but we're jumping to another point where it is like an alternate timeline. Because we talked about that the fact that they never mentioned Laura's murder after part seven. That seems to be kind of a cue where it did jump into another timeline. Or there's only ever been one timeline, say Cooper's timeline where time forks into countless probable futures based on different potentialities. Cooper striving for that one perfect future where as many failures don't exist. This is future or this is past. I'm just thinking that maybe the retcon didn't happen. I'm still not sold on that completely. Well, she disappeared body, like immediately, like, you know, saying she got sucked back up. Like, it's possible that like the because the, that was kind of the message at the end was that you can't turn back time. You can't change it. You can't save her. She's going to die no matter what you do. Like that, that was still, you know, her disappearing in 17. Once he tried to save her was foreshadowing of that final beat that Lynch left us with the haunting beat. And we realized like, holy fuck, this is all for nothing. Like he's fucked. He's stuck there in this loop, you know, and it's not going to work. Because Laura's not alive, but Carrie Page, she's not really alive. Like, you know, I'm saying in Odessa, that's, she's, she's in a, some sort of Laura pocket universe created by the Lodge. She's not alive. She's dead. You she think lives that in the Lodge. universe in Odessa is some kind of purgatory? It's not yes. a real... It's a, well, that's if you want to call these loop worlds, these, these loops they're in, yeah, it's like a purgatory. They're constantly pushing the, like Sisyphus, pushing the rock up, goes down, up the hill, down the hill. Because I think that what we're seeing... In, in part 18, at least, you know, when Cooper, after Diane, when he's in Odessa and he meets Carrie and they go to Twin Peaks, I mean, I think that's really kind of like a very shortened version of what Cooper went through uh, as Dougie in Vegas, yeah. like his kind of dreamscape. Yeah. But it's interesting is that the whole, the last line of the whole series is, is the Sarah Palmer saying that that cue, which is used repeatedly in the original series, and I think Lynch might be the only one who actually uses it. He used it in Firewalk with me, but that was taken that original line was taken from the pilot when we were first introduced uh, to Sarah she runs up the stairs oh yeah calling to her from the kitchen yeah it's like it's calling to her like to to come down like to wake up like if she's still sleeping Laura wake Wake up up. so that she hears that it's like her mom calling her to she's probably heard it a million times too she's probably heard her mom call her that to get her to wake up exactly that's a little subtle touch that I really like because a lot of those Sarah Palmer Laura audio cues are associated with dreams. I mean, Cooper hears it in the original series during his dream. Laura hears it in Firewalk With Me during her dream in her bedroom. And then Cole, even though it's not set up as a dream, but there's certain dreaminess aspect going on with that scene where he sees Laura in the hotel room. As an aside, did you hear that some guy came and mysteriously painted the double R? I, in real I, life? I, I read that. And, and I, do, I, do you think he's like a woodsman? He's, he's, being, he's being motivated by the lodge. <laughs> I read that article, and that guy was definitely off. There was something off about that guy. But I also read that I think did that happen like ten years ago? No, it just happened like right now. I think at least Are I don't you sure. Maybe it was an old story, but it just popped up on Twitter, and I looked at it, and I presumed it was it just occurred. But maybe it was an old story that. Was That's what I thought, and I read it, and then I was reading the comments, and someone was like, "Dude, this happened like ten years ago." Oh, that, uh, I don't know uh, if that's the case or not. Because they were talking about making renovations and stuff. It's like, wait, I don't think that they're doing that. I, I don't know. But it, it is kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Well, I guess that case is closed. It's not a Lodge member. So, <laughs> what's next? The beauty of Twin Peaks and this narrative is that there is, like I said earlier, no definitive answer. And there's all kinds of... Is it future or is it the idea of like Cooper actually going back in time that that to me is is odd like go back in time being a time traveler and not being able to do it himself and having Philip Jeffries like facilitate that that Cooper that appears in part 17 was that kind of like a staticky like apparition like when the fireman scene in part one he left it was like kind of that visual oh yeah um, it also mirrors the same thing when Mr. C was walking up the steps of the convenience store 
and, and that place is like kind of a dream place where it's like a different reality and that kind of connoted or suggested that that's how he was able to manifest in that world. So it just seems like if there was some time traveling with Jeffries um, in Firewalk with me on the, the back end with being like bloodied on his face and the scorched wall, that there would be some kind of effect from the cause of time traveling and Cooper just bloop, just appeared like in the woods. So you think it, it did or did not occur? Think, or that you think that somehow it inspired the 89 Cooper. Maybe that he had a dream. Could the 89 Cooper have had a dream and they could have uh, the Cooper in the lodge could have gone to Cooper in 89 and told him what to do? Go out to Sparkle in 21? Well, what about Laura? that Because he wouldn't even know who Laura was, right? Had, no, she'd already had dreams about her. Like, remember that Remember that dream you had about that girl? Like, go, go save her. I'm just saying that, like, Mr. C in the lodge could have, like, actually gone through dreams to uh, Agent or Cooper in the lodge in 17 when you're saying going back in time. Maybe he visited his original self in 89 through a dream and told him to go out there. Maybe he, like, uh, he sleeper sold himself, like he freddied himself, or he, like, Polish accountant himself. Who, Cooper? Instead of the giant, instead of the giant going and find, finding Freddy or finding the Polish accountant and having them do his deeds, his bidding, Cooper serving the role as the giant, went back and uh, gave him, he activated his own sleeper cell, which was himself in the 89. Uh, You're saying that he had another premonition or dreaming, knew exactly where something. to be to stop it that night. Yeah. Without and it could have been, yeah, it could, could have been facilitated by the fireman, could have been facilitated by Philip Jeffries. But he didn't in real life. So you know what I'm saying? He didn't, or he would have stopped the killing in reality, right? So, so somebody had to have intervened to give him that knowledge. Cooper is the white knight, and he wants to... Solve the case, crack the code, solve the crime. He wants to save the girl, whether it's Caroline Annie or Laura Palmer. And he's been haunted by all of his mistakes. And he's been in this purgatory for like 25 years. But maybe what we're seeing here is wishing that he could have done these things. And we're seeing them play out. Like, wish I could solve, go back and solve the murder if I only would have done that. Solve yeah, wish I could have solved who killed, Je- and who, who killed JFK as well. Well, it ties into the whole spectrum of like the idea that he had. He comes into the lodge with his own subconscious and all of his memories and his dreams and aspirations, and that the subconscious is some kind, or the, the lodge is some kind of organism that is able to uh, suck all that information out of him and create these realities based on the stuff he's experienced, and they really hit to the core of his, you know, flaws or whatever it is he's searching for. You know what I mean? So it t- still ties in to the dream theory. Think. Well, but then again, this whole theory you're talking about, it really goes down to like uh, Kyle McLaughlin having a bad hair day in 17, <laughs> like little, you know, off. Like, you know, he didn't look quite right. There's something with theory. it. I don't know. It's conspiracy. conspiracy. <laughs> it's the pin, right? So why can't there be a hair theory? There's a crazy sure, pin why theory. Why isn't there a crazy hair theory? Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I Lynch think. is so particular about the tiniest details. I mean, he's on his hands and knees with like Bisquick and Plaster of Paris or Fixall doing all this. So you think like, where he knows wherever Cooper is in the storyline exactly how he wants him to look. There's there's a uh, an anecdote from Firewalk with me that Cooper shows up on set. I think he was only on set for like a week or so, and he he came on set or something. Or Lynch went to his dressing room and saw his hair and was like, "Nope, still like you know not like flat enough or whatever." Because he really had slicked back her. His hair was really like matted down, and it was like three or four times before Lynch was satisfied. I think finally he got his hands in his hair and did okay. That's it. So he's very particular. So. When I see a Cooper that if looks he was a that particular, then he would have made an entire CGI version of uh, 89 Coop. So we knew for sure. That, but don't you think that would have been like two on the nose, maybe? A little two and take away <laughs> well, from it's the last Well, it's the last 40 minutes of the damn show or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, he could give us some fucking clarity. I'm not saying I believe this at all. I'm just trying to <laughs> like, have fun with it. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. It all tied back into the dream theory, all this stuff, all this stuff. We're always looking for things that, are, that really happened. Frost has put it out there that what you see, I mean, this is kind of absurd or whatever, is that it's like all, not all on the surface, but it's all like kind of like literal. Like, you know, he, what he's basically oh, yeah. he's talking like, about. Everything that, really happened. Everything. Yeah. yeah. The face so, taking and, off, Sarah Palmer, <laughs> everything. Real. Totally explainable. I don't, I don't In my that, next book. I, <laughs> I don't buy that at all. So um, He's a practical guy. He's probably earth side. It's very earthy. It's very practical. This is where you'll find Judy. Do you think that Judy can only be found in an alternate timeline? No. I think Judy can be found everywhere. Judy can be found here. Trump, Judy. Trump is Judy. Judy is well, Trump. What, well, what if like Judy is this extreme negative force that, that is embodied by this experiment, but maybe inhabits certain people? The, the one person that 
that needs to be found is Sarah Palmer. And Sarah Palmer in the original series, I don't think she was uh, infected with that bug. I think this is part of, like, of an alternate timeline. And the whole thing about Cooper trying to devise a plan with Briggs and Cole defining Judy, maybe the whole thing was to uh, that they recognized that Judy could not be found in this particular timeline, that they had to go ahead and save Laura, not just to save Laura, but to change the timeline and that it would be Sarah Palmer in that timeline as the Judy bug, and that's how she would be exposed. And that's how one thing that you and I have been arguing about has yeah. been, like, Judy. Like, what is Judy? Who is Judy? What is Jowday? Who's Judy? Is Judy a person? Is Jowday the spirit? You know, we've got all kinds of, you know, you and I have been having that battle. And I really feel like that still the crux of the mystery lies in, like, the Diane, Naito, Judy trifecta, the triumvirate of mystery. I don't know what's going on with them still, and that's what... Uh, thing about just saving Laura you know, is about. important. And I think that that was on Cooper's mind, but I don't think that that was the end-all, be-all. It seems like there was something else. Maybe Judy was in Sarah in the first timeline, but they just couldn't find her. The egg was in there, laying latent. But in the retcon, then Judy's uh, egg is gonna is gonna spawn in her much faster. Everyone in episode 18 in that Odessa was Judy. Like, the cowboys, <laughs> like Lord, everything was Judy. It was a Judy verse. Like Judy was from. I thought Mrs. Tremont was Judy, but uh, the, it's all Judy's. Is it, it it didn't happen, or it did happen, but now we're we're changing it, and now we're dealing with something else. We're going home, uh, and there's all different types of like permutations of that. It's like you know Lynch and Frost going meta and trying to gain control of the original series that they lost, and to recreate it in their own fashion, having full, full, full creative control now, whatever. But I think that's what we're dealing with is, and I think that probably was the original intent, the ending of their collaboration of that part 17 because it, it, it works so you're finally coming around to that eh? i think that's what i suggested when we first watched it like i think that was frost version frost is like here it is masterpiece into 17 boom Lynch is like <laughs> not quite buster hang on watch hold no, my I, beer yeah exactly yeah. i think that's no i think I, I agree but i don't think it was just frost i think they collaborated on that and i think that what happened was when frost went off to write his book that lynch went ahead and continued working and writing and changing things and I think that he came up with part 18 uh, not like right when they got on set but after <laughs> Frost left not right when they got on set but an hour before what? two hours two hours no, seriously Mc realistic no McLaughlin have you read that interview with McLaughlin where he said that you know and I'm kind of paraphrasing here is that um, and you know he's very careful not to say like too much but that ending, it was in there. It just wasn't at that particular place. It wasn't at the end. So he was surprised. So there was something else in mind. Maybe I there were other scenes of Carrie Page that they cut. They had a whole storyline, perhaps, going up, going through the series. Where he'd be flashing into that and getting to her. I don't know. Maybe. It doesn't it kind That's of what you thought when we first watched it. Well, yeah. You're like, here comes episode five. Carrie, here she comes. Or here comes Laura. <laughs> I happen. thought that she would be a huge part of it. I did. Yeah. It was well, wrong. you were right. You I thought she was going to be like a reincarnated version of herself, a different name. You're right about that. But she showed it very late. We so I mean, got, it makes the, it takes the emphasis off her. It makes you realize that this is all about Cooper's crazy bad dream in the lodge. And this is all like a fail. She's dead. She's still dead. Carrie's not real. None of this shit's real. He's just like, that's what I mean. That final note of the, of the series just makes me still feel pretty certain that we're dealing with uh, stuff that's just, it's all his head. It's his head trip. I think it's all real. We all dream. Well, it's all real. We're all real. Yeah. Uh, but well, it happened to him, and his, this is the way he, he sees it, like Bill Pullman in Lost Highway. The dream aspect of it is is an important like component. But to suggest that we're just seeing one dream, one dreamer in all these different locations, I think is is. is well, I like the Carrie idea that she's stuck in there, too, because she is. Stuck, stuck in her own dream, yeah. right? She's stuck yeah, in her lodge. I, I like that. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Stick her face But out. why can't Briggs have a, you know, we didn't see Major Briggs alive. Yeah. Other than I think he's traveling. Rose. I think he's traveling yeah. around the cosmos. He's doing yeah. some, he's, and, on, he's still on duty, I think. I, <laughs> you mean still to this day? Yeah, he's still, still on duty. He's out there he's yeah, patrolling the, the the multiverse, the lodge multiverse. Yeah. But I think that the, the reality I feel safer, don't it. you, with him out there? I do. Yeah. I do. I, 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 well, he's not in real life, Don Davis, unfortunately. Are you sure? But... I know his I'm body's not. passed. <laughs> this is future or this is past. Not to beat the old like white horse in the lodge dead. Too late. But this. <laughs> no, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Never apologize for a clue <laughs> reference. Never. 
apologize. Um, a year later, we get, I can say with certainty, too late. Pearl mustard. <laughs> um, this idea, this, this Cooper, the, these different, I wouldn't say realities, but these different like decisions, these different uh, like life choices, these, these regrets maybe manifesting themselves in a presumed reality is very interesting to me. That's kind of what we're seeing. Maybe within the construct of a dream. Maybe within the construct of a uh, manufactured lodge reality. I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's any one definitive answer. But the idea of Cooper being trapped in the lodge, which I think is one component. I think we saw him at the end of Firewalk With Me. Laura had just died. He's almost like you presented as her guardian angel. She sees her angel, but he is there to like guide her, to comfort her during her transition to this next plane. So that happened before the events of the original series, even though time is nebulous in the Black Lodge. I think that there has always been a Cooper in the Black Lodge. Yeah, I mean, we can just sit there and wrap ourselves around the twist here forever on it, but I think that's, it comes down to that, that he's stuck in his own fucking loop, and that's why season four would have to break out of that. Season three ended on that note. Season four could say, actually, no, we've got this to tell. And it's not and it's not that reality, but the way it is now, I see it pretty certainly. That figure eight that Jeffrey shows, Cooper, and had that little circle in it. And this is where you'll find Judy. I'll find it for you, whatever he says here. What if that is Cooper's timeline, like Cooper's lifeline? And it's this infinity symbol. And instead of this, this one circle that we see. What if all of our of, timelines are like that, our well, lifelines? I, We're all infinity I, I, symbols. Uh, well, I think that uh, Lynch might uh, might Go to the Moby that. Strip, yeah. Yeah, but for the sake of the show and, you know, talking about Cooper, the reason why we only saw that one circle is because it was related to that particular task, that there's other circles. There's a million circles on the, on the infinite Yeah, loop. that's it, and that could be the case for us all is what I'm saying, that, you know, Lynch is all... When you call those, those circles in the loop, then would they be kind of tulpas? <laughs> what do you mean, within that <laughs> infinity symbol? I don't, right? <laughs> there's other million Koopas, do you call them tulpas? Do you call them Doppels? No, I think it's the things that we didn't do, the choices. That's the whole thing that's fascinating is that we are programmed in our brains, come from like primordial ooze, evolution. We're still like with, uh, you know, very, uh, very basic primal, like, you know, needs and urges. And it's only probably been the last couple hundreds of years where we've kind of expanded our minds. Technology has grown and we've been able to contemplate and really kind of, you know, make sense of certain aspects of like our realities in the universe. But... Um, there's so much more to our reality and Lynch who is someone who's deeply spiritual and he's on the whole you know he believes in reincarnation the whole eastern thing and it's probably much denser than that and is that he's infusing this narrative with some of his own personal beliefs but putting it through the filter of of the Twin Peaks world and the lodges and all these other things so it's not beyond the realm of possibility what we're seeing here is the reality of that it's not just Cooper but it's all of us why can't we have multiple realities I mean that we're not conscious of because we can't fathom it well, yeah, there's all kinds of quantum physics and all kinds of theories about the multiverse and people having all of our different realities and different, all the choices we make could be their own reality. Like that's, that's pretty common now. I think it just ties, it's just, it's just Lynch is taking that into the lodge and creating his own reality with Cooper. It's probably not, it's not all exact flashbacks. It's all like, like archetypical re, re, re probably mashups of different traumas and things that he's still working through. Well, his, his narratives have become increasingly more complex um, since... You know, I think Twin Peaks, I mean, Fire Walk With Me, Lost Highway, Inland Empire, and Mulholland Drive. And I think this one, which is really kind of like eight or nine like Lynch feature films, I think that's why we can talk about it endlessly is because we're, people are still trying to figure out Fire Walk With Me and Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive and Inland Empire. Those are like, you know, two, two and a half hour, you know, Inland Empire is a three hour movie. That's just, you know, this one's like six, seven, eight times longer than that. So it's all, there's so much to, to decode and to, to decipher. And it's so jam-packed and people are so frustrated by uh, the narrative or the lack of a narrative or the lack of conventionality or the differentiating this season or this series or this season with the previous seasons and it's like you just have to look at it from a different like vantage point and to accept it it's not going to be like the Sopranos or True Detective or uh, Fargo or you know some of these great shows that um, have their peculiarities are, are different they're edgy but they're really based and anchored in, in like a kind of a, a character-based, real kind of world, even though there's dealing with other kinds of maybe supernatural elements. This is like way, way, way out there. 
And I can understand why people are, are pissed off or whatever, but I love this shit. Lynch's abstractions and his dream world are endlessly fascinating to me, and I can, I can live inside that forever. Do you think we'll still be living inside this uh, year from now on the two-year anniversary? No, maybe six more months, I think. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> six more months? No. I don't know. Where do we go from here, Tom? I want to go to Buckhorn real quick. You know the zone, the search for the zone. I've heard of it, yes, sir. Um, the, that blog, that Hastings blog is still up. And, still up? Uh, still up. Is yeah, it on GoDaddy? <laughs> I don't know, but I love that That's website great. because it's like, you know, it's like something that was created in 97 because I think that was the copyright date. It just looks so, you know, aged and whatnot. But it was kind of co-created. He had like a like a helper with him, and it was some German guy named like Heinrich Wiegel or Weigel. So I got to be thinking because it's whole that whole Buckhorn thing is just, I mean, that was the impetus of the show. That was what got us into the whole mystery, Mr. C and eventually the zone and woodsman, everything like that. But what if uh, that Heinrich guy was the guy that we saw with Mr. C outside the glass box? And he was the one that was commissioned by Mr. C to build the glass box. And during their meetings, he told him about the zone, the search for the zone and Hastings. And Mr. C kind of put that together. And that's how he got to Buckhorn and eventually yeah, like to that. Major Briggs. I always wondered who that was. And that could be the connection point. Exactly. That's how he ended up bum rushing the, the zone with his woodsman min- minions. Yeah. And it could be how maybe he got there in advance and was doing some you know, stakeout on Hastings, finding everything out, and got involved with Phyllis because she knew him before he shot her. She said, what are you doing here? So I don't know what the motive would have been. So Heinrich connected uh, Mr. C to Phyllis. To Hastings, Hastings. to Buckhorn. Yeah. Hastings, Phyllis, yeah. Ruth, the whole thing, yeah. the zone. Heinrich could have been, even though there's no Did mention Mr. C, Heinrich. Heinrich, Phyllis, and Bill ever went out like, to Mexican food, had some margaritas or something? <laughs> What would that be like? Probably not. Is there a good Mexican <laughs> restaurant in Buckhorn? Probably, Probably not. I would say no. Probably not. Yeah. No. 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 But, um, and then also in Buckhorn, like, like the whole mystery of like how the hell did Briggs's body and Ruth's head get back to her apartment? Got any answers? I would think it was lot was, was Woodsman that came uh, through the portal and they plopped down there and they staged, they art directed it, staged it. Like maybe City was there. Like getting it perfect, like ordering the other woodsman. Like, no, left, move her arm. Yeah, doing the, yeah. So I would think that, but you have an interesting theory. Yeah. I actually like this theory. That one character that we saw in part one, he had just one scene, I think, or two scenes, was the uh, Hank. Like, Chip ain't got no phone, the guy with the huge phone. Well, when we saw him, I think he was carrying like a bag, like a trash bag, and then maybe a, a smaller bag. And then he came across the cops, and the cops were questioning him, but he was, uh, acting very suspicious. They didn't really kind of pick up on it. Um, and then they finally got the key or whatever from that other woman and got in the, 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 uh, the hotel or uh, Ruth's apartment. But there's another scene with Hank, I think is his name. He's talking to, I guess, the landlord of that property or maybe the superintendent. I don't know. Um, and he's basically saying like, uh, did you put the cops on me? And it's like, then he says something like, it's all mine, mine and, and chips. It's all mine. We did the work or something like that. So it got me thinking, what if... He was somehow hired or commissioned by Mr. C to go ahead and take the, the, the body of, uh, the, of Briggs and the head of Ruth and put it in her apartment, Ruth's apartment, because he would have a key to it for the sole purpose of the Briggs's body eventually being discovered, A, by the cops, and then probably eventually by the FBI and getting the Blue Rose Task Force involved. Well, also, you think that like it would get Gordon Cole on the case to help find the coordinates and solve this, and he could follow the FBI to wherever Correct. Jack Rabbit's palace is or whatever he's looking for, Sarah Palmer's house. Correct. I like and that. And it might have it's yeah, practical. It been... It's practical. Although, right? you know, why would you go through all that hullabaloo if you could just get the woodsman to do it, throw a portal or jump through? They but could pop it really out. Think that they would do that good of a job? Does yeah, you think the head would have been like. Do you a think bit that guy, that little like Hank or whatever, little tweaker, one number one, would be able to do so? I would think he would be do a, a poor job unless they gave him like strict notes, like a hundred pages <laughs> of notes, like Hitchcock or Kubrick, Wells. Well, I think if you saw exactly Mr. C, he started to go ahead and like squeeze your face, you know, and had a oh, bag yeah. of money that you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he probably good. did squeeze his face, gave him a bag of money, and he just knew what to do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that I'll was a little so trying Makes to sense. put that. Buckhorn mystery, trying to because there's still. So Would be kind of nice there. if they kind of like gave us some of this in the story. Would help people understand things more. I think, right? I but all the, you know what, Tom? It would actually take away some of the mystery. That's what I was going to say. Right. That's it. So there it's it like you've got this interesting character, right? I mean, he just had those two scenes, had that huge fucking phone, 
And it's Max Perlick. He's been acting forever. He's a great little character actor. I think he was actually going to be in one of Lynch's unproduced scripts, Dream of the Boven, um, with uh, Harry Dean Stanton and maybe Parlin Brando. What was it called? Point. Dream of the Boven. The Bovine? Uh, was it? A bovine. I'm a sorry. Bovine a cow? Of the bovine. Yeah, bovine <laughs> cow. Yeah, they they were three cows that got assimilated into humans, but they still acted like cows. And that was the story, basically. Oh, that sounds it's compelling. It's an absurd comedy. And another thing I was thinking about... The whole idea of the glass box and hiring people to just watch it seems odd to me. It seems like maybe that's just what the guy told Sam told Tracy that he's supposed to watch it. But maybe he's really his only function was to change out the cards because he wanted it like filmed. He wanted something to see whatever would appear there. But is it possible that since what? Cooper was Mr. C was after was coordinates but it seemed like Briggs was the one that had those coordinates that he needed to get and that maybe he has been following him around for 25 years is it possible since Briggs was hibernating maybe in different zones across the the planet that the whole glass box was constructed trap him and not the experiment oh that's interesting maybe but then really, I mean, if, if it also could trap Judy, he was trying to get Judy anyway. So that was the point of the of the coordinates to get to Judy. So if it could also trap Judy, which it did almost, probably two birds with one stone with that box, right? Yeah, get Briggs and him. I don't know if, what do you think Briggs ever got, got caught or got sucked in? No, I don't, I don't think so. But if, I was just thinking about it. It's like that just seems like that was the, the intent is to, to have it. Do you think that fucker Ray something. could ever get sucked in now from now on? Like if the box is still around, isn't it? <laughs> They got broke. The, the glass, but I mean, I guess they could reconstruct it, right? All the yeah, let's put the glass the back. Bells and whistles yeah. are still there. Yeah, you put the glass back. The gray right? shows up, just like what? It's gone. You mean Ray from the lodge? Yeah, or? he's in the lodge. You can just pop in. Hey, <laughs> in and out. I don't know, but I'm not convinced that the scene with Sam and Tracy fucking is not is is ritualistic sex magic to summon Judy because when Tammy appears in part three when uh with cole and albert she uh gives some details and she says that um there were other images blurred images of something presumably maybe this experiment maybe something else i mean i guess maybe it could be something else but maybe it was the experiment a blurred image of something um, which would connote that it, it, it showed up at different times, unless different people are having sex at different times. It just—I don't think it's—it was was a, like a Jack Parsonian kind of sex magic thing here. And the fact that you couldn't see Cooper when he was there, and you missed all that—you missed the murder, you missed the death scene. They didn't have those on the cards. There's something really, really odd. Why can't the cameras can only pick up certain frames? Well, it makes sense if it's coming from a different multiverse, a different timeline or whatever, different reality that you could, it pops in like in fragments, barely, barely visible in our reality. It's not just going to come into our timeline and like hang out very often, but you can see. Well, then what's the point of, of, what's the point of setting up cameras then? Well, I guess if you have a bunch of like uh, hot teenagers or young people having sex in front of them, then maybe that's what draws Judy out to, instead of popping in for a fragment, she pops in to have to feast because obviously she likes to feast on people having sex. <laughs> well, don't you think that creature was agitated because it was there for maybe a purpose uh, independent of Sam and Tracy? And when it found or didn't find what it was looking for, that it bust out of the glass box and took its. You know, maybe it was what called. Yeah, maybe it was what called Mr. C. Missed me. Missed you in New York. Do you think that was that was possibly like Judy manifest through maybe Sarah or someone else? The one that was on the phone. Yeah, I don't think it was Sarah at all, but I think it was. Uh, yeah, we, we've been talking about this forever, haven't we? I think it's Albert. Well, Tom. no, did you? It's still Albert. I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, someone actually <laughs> took that Albert. recording and slowed it down, and it sounds a lot like Sarah Palmer. A lot of people are convinced it's Sarah That's that did that recording, and they, 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 you know, that's with cool. It. Like that, that would be great. Then, yeah, sure. And it's Judy. Well, how many it people is Judy. could it be? That is Judy. Well, that's what I mean. It was one our man? Is it Albert? Is it uh, Judy? Is it who else could it be? There's no one else. I don't know. I, I mean, Major Leland, Briggs, we right? thought about that. Leland. Yeah, who else do we think? Leland, you thought Leland possibly? Mike, you thought well, Mike, the original Mike? Mike, yeah, or That's the it. evolution of the arm. Illness the arm. There's only a few. But he wasn't Could hissing. He, hey, what about this? What if it's like a Dick Laurent is dead? What if it's like a Cooper, a version of Cooper talking to Cooper, Mr. C talking to Mr. C? Ever think about that? Well, that's what I told you, the whole theory of him going back in time. Maybe he was talking, he was, he was uh, sleeper selling himself. 
lodge sleeper cell. <laughs> I think itself. I kind of like, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry about that. I don't think I gave you enough props for that. That's really good. I still like the, so, I still like the, the, the Polish accountant being a sleeper cell agent of the, the giant when he kills them uh, in 16 or whatever it is, 15. Uh, Hutch and what's her name? I, think, I still Chantel. think that. Yeah, I don't think that's a universally believed thing. Why? I, that's, I, it's I it. very possible or plausible that that Polish accountant had a similar experience that Freddie had. Maybe he wasn't yeah. sucked into a portal and told to get a green glove, but something about that day and time with a van. I would love to have seen whatnot. that scene. Whether it's the giant or whoever it is, like in the Polish account in the lodge, like Andy, I will do it, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> Give him the Uzi instead of the glove. Right. <laughs> I move car. But what was the exact last line to that? You go back I in the lodge you. and I will be a bobbing something. Was I it? missed you in New York. I still see you're in Buckhorn. I think Mr. C says, um, and you're still nowhere, right? And then he goes, you met with Major Garland Briggs. And then Cooper, Mr. C says, how do you know that? And then Jeffries, whoever it is, says, actually, I just called to say goodbye. You're going back in tomorrow and I will be with Bobby. Ah, uh, yeah. Called to say goodbye. That's great. That's still very, right. uh, that's great. I guess the it's got to be Judy. That, but then say goodbye would have mean that they've been hanging out. You know Judy why and I Bob. Is, you know why I think it is Judy now? Because I just watched part two. It's kind of got to be right. That's the whole thing. Part two is so good again because not only it focuses on Cooper, and Mr. C, but it name drops Major Briggs, um, and name drops Bob. Really, the only time that it's got Bob a great is referenced, right? Yeah, yeah. Has Bob mentioned it. Bob, any other point? Bob, Bob, right? Uh, is it? I don't know. You tell me. I don't. Genius. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that was it. For the Bob reference, it also we see Leland, and we see Sarah, and we see Laura Palmer. I mean, it she really, takes her I mean, face off. Only, right? She takes her face off. Does yeah, she? yeah. Laura she? takes her face yeah. off in yeah. part two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But oh, the phone call, right? So I will be with Bob again. The fact that it may be Judy, a clue through Sarah, through Sarah, possibly yes, through Sarah. Because you're saying someone slowed down the voice, and it sounds like Sarah Palmer. Well, that's the whole or thing. They sped it up, or whatever. I told it is. They you the tonality. Yeah. If I told you, hey, this sounds like Sarah, and I played it for you, you go, oh, it maybe sounds like Sarah. Sounds like fucking Albert that. to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> clearly it's not, but it sounds um, exactly like him. Okay, wait, wait, wait. 15, right? 15. Episode, part 15. Cooper goes to see Jeffries. Who is Judy? That whole thing, that whole thing. And then he goes, you've already met Judy. And then Mr. C goes, well, who is Judy? And then the phone rings. He goes and picks up the phone, and then, boop, he's transferred outside of the convenience store. That could have been a clue, right? The phone call, you've already met Judy, the person on that line who you were talking to, it wasn't me. Oh, okay. And if it was Sarah, yeah. Well, it probably was Sarah. But yeah, I see what you're saying, the connection from the phone talking. But then they would have known, it would have just been that one phone call from part two. They would have obviously, they've had some sort of interaction throughout the 25 years. Of his adventures. Who Jeffries and whoever's on the or? phone, yeah, whoever there's stuff Philip Jeffries, whoever was on the phone, was that supposed to be? Oh, yeah, that was supposed to be Philip Jeffries, right? Maybe it just was Philip Jeffries. Jeffries. Maybe it just because was Philip Jeffries. Why do we? Why do we just, why do you just question that? It's Philip. I will be with Bob again. Why would Philip Jeffries yeah. be with Bob again? That's right. When he asked him, he said he did, it didn't call him too, so it wasn't him. Yeah, and he was uh, like, "Philip, this is Philip Jeffries." So but why the fuck was, does it? Does you think Bob would want to be with Judy more than Judy would want to be with Bob? Like. Judy's the mother, man. She didn't need to be with anybody. Bob, Seems like that was Judy know. talking to, like, instead of I will be with Bob again, she would say, I'm going to end Bob's story. He's been well, here's another bad thing. boy. <laughs> why, would, why would that voice say, I missed you in New York? Wouldn't be Jeffries. Jeffries wouldn't be in New York, right? Uh, that's Well, that's our, we're talking that the potential is that it's Judy, and that, that was Judy that missed him in New York, and that it was Judy calling and pretending to be Philip Jeffries and fucking with his head. But that wouldn't make sense, because then he would be like, well, Philip, I, well, I wasn't supposed to meet you in New York. Why was Philip Jeffries helping Cooper out for these 25 years, or at least parts of these 25 years? And now, Copper or at least that? beforehand, now he's giving him false coordinates to you know, be electrocuted like little Dickie Horn. So what happened? It just seems like talking about Cooper, why can't there be multiple Jeffries? Maybe that is the, the template. There's a white knight Jeffries. There's multiple Jeffries. white Duke Jeff- Jeffries, yeah. Ooh, Alabaster Jeffries, uh, Alabaster Alab- Duke. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that joke, folks. I'm into it. Multiverse or Rama. We've got all kinds of Jeffries everywhere. Oh, no, no, no. Are you just humoring me? Or no, I, just, I feel actually... I'm, I could. Yeah, I could. I could actually go with that. I don't okay, think. The, well, I don't think no. there's like. I don't think the 89 Cooper story is necessarily one that I buy into. But I do. But I could buy into the fact that there's multiple Jeffries going all over the damn place. Because think about this: if like, you're retconning things, there's all kinds of things you can retcon besides Laura's death that would fuck everything up. This is. 
future or past. Well, what about that scene, the great scene, really when I think Lynch checked out in the original series, is the, the Leland Kills Maddie episode, and it ends in the roadhouse with Julie Cruz singing The World Spins, and there is Cooper looking into the drapes and superpose, or uh, dissolving into the red curtains, which was like a nice foreshadowing of him being trapped in the Black Lodge. What is he thinking at that point? It's better yeah. than a doorknob, I think. <laughs> he doesn't know Joseph. It hasn't happened yet? Gonna be oh, tri- yeah. No, it hasn't happened yet. He's saying, I fucked up. I fucked it up. I know I fucked it exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. So what if that Cooper, at that moment, one kernel of a thought entered his brain, I wish I could have prevented Laura from dying because none of this other shit would have happened. Maddie wouldn't have died. It is happening again. I wouldn't have fucked up by arresting Ben Horn. Maybe a little bit of a sliver. That thing. And that little bit of a sliver that could grow into this little tributary where... But she's already dead. He can't go back. He can't go back. He's already dead. Or she's already yeah, dead but, at that point. He would have to like somehow like be able to commute with communicate with his past self through dreams and give himself past clues so he could go back in time that way. But don't you think that 1989 coupe that we saw that went back in time was more along the lines of kind of a Richard uh, Cooper in Firewalk With Me as opposed to the I am the FBI Cooper that we saw in part 16 and into part 17? You mean he died a little when they're at Con? Came a little what less I'm saying sparky? is that it would make sense that if it was like a 1989 coupe, it wouldn't be this enthusiastic, boyish uh, Eagle Scout that we saw in the original series. That it might have been the... Well, because it was, if it was a 1989 coupe, he had not come to Twin Peaks and fallen in love with the town. I think the reason why he was a little bit colder in Firewalk With Me was because he didn't have that experience of Twin Peaks that maybe brought out that uh, eccentric uh, personality and fell in love with the town and dallied with you know Audrey Horn and fell in love with uh, Annie Blackburn and got to fall the trees and Norma's pies. And, I think you hit on it, the Norma's pies, Tom. I think the pies and the coffee, he had been probably on a diet. He might be diabetic or something, and he just went off the diet and just started jacking up on caffeine and sugar. And <laughs> that's why he was so jack- happy and positive. And he found his, just, he found his joy through that. There's so many different personalities of Cooper that we're seeing in part 18 and I don't think it's just random I think the reason why it took him four years to really kind of construct this storyline and people really like I said complain about the narrative or the lack thereof is that they were focusing on the mythology and focusing on these timelines or these different iterations of Cooper and or Laura and all the, the mythology of the lodges everything and it took a lot of brain power a lot of creative power to really kind of reconcile that and get it down on paper. And I think it's all there. I just think it's under all these different layers and it's so, you know, hard to decipher. There's it's just it's 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 too much because we don't know which reality, what's a dream, and and I think that was concocted by them for a specific reason. Yeah, so do you think they would spend all this time to come up with these like esoteric theories that only like barely you you're barely uncovering a year later like just to have a few people like you to appreciate it? Is that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they think about their audience that much. If they did think about Probably their not. audience, it yeah. would have gave us like the, the nostalgia trip. And uh, yep. you just know that. Lynch is, come on. We saw him on the set, you know, the Blu-rays. The guy is like in his own world. And even with Mark Frost, and we talked about this, we should do a whole podcast on what we think their relationship is, if it's frosty or not, is that uh, I think Lynch is at this point as a 72-year-old artist. Uh, he's got no time for anybody. I think if he had his druthers, he'd have his video camera and the actors, and he'd do everything. He'd do the sound. He'd like sweep the floor himself, and he would uh, do editing. He would do everything. He just like just himself. Well, so are you going to tell I, the I audience know. what your theory was that somehow Frost is not going to come back for season four if there were to be a season four? I think Frost is all gung ho for season four. Like the reason why he'll season four will be partly because of him. Because he's pushing it and coming up with ideas. I agree. You know, and he said, like, I hope it happens, and, and they very well could be writing it. But what my thinking is is that if they do continue it, that Frost will be a part of it. But it won't be the collaboration that— Lynch will give him any, any cred. He'll just totally—he'll be cutting him out, like you're saying. All of his ideas. I, that's, all the stuff that was like in the— harsh. Yeah, all the stuff that was in the books. It's like, no. I, it just seems like, like Lynch and Frost together got— what they wanted they wanted to um to gain control over like the show even the original show by the retconning and creating this whole new universe and creating the the mystery of part 18 which could lead us anywhere i mean they really could go down any different pathway in in a a season four and but my thinking is is that since 18 was 
it felt so Lynch, like Lynch completely on his own without any kind of interference whatsoever. And I could be completely wrong with this, that what he would want to do is he would want to continue it his own way. And it wouldn't be this, this multi-episode series. It would be maybe a mini-series or maybe even a movie. I don't think we would ever get an 18-hour series again. And I think Frost would be a part of it, but it would be more a Lynch project, like spearheaded by Lynch. It'd be more like Lynch. He would be in full artistic control with... Frost contributing a little bit, but not like they did for season three. Well, that's a little terrifying to me. I think we need Frost. I think we need Frost too. To give I us mean, that Twin I... Peaks feeling. <laughs> that there's just a Lynch movie, which I like. Yeah, but with, I'll, I'll is anything wrong it. with that? Yeah. Uh, just, no, but I think he might wrong. go into like uh, Inland Empire territory a little bit. Rabbits. Oh, don't you think season three went into Inland Empire? Yeah, territory? actually, I wanted more of that. Actually, but I think uh, I wish the. Uh, I don't know. I wish, I wish Frost would stay on, but there were more Lynchian moments where they could t- spend entire episodes in the uh, you know the multiverse or something. I would like that. I love Part Eighteen. The feel of Part Eighteen. That that I, uh, I like it, but uh, I can't watch it. It's very unpleasant. No, I, I love every second of it. No. Every every second of it. It just it it it's so ominous and mysterious. The mood that it it, it creates and there's sparse dialogue. Like I go to this site, it has tr- Twin Peaks transcripts. You can look at the transcripts of every episode. And if you go to part 18, there's like nine words. It's crazy. Yeah. It's all like ominous whooshing yeah. and electricity. And then like, you know, like, what is your name? And then like Laura and then credits. I mean, it's just there's sparse dialogue. <laughs> there's like 12 minutes of silence. I, driving. That's what I love. That's just, it's, it's just so great. It's like, it's like vertigo, right? Going home it again, is. going to the, uh, the bell tower. And it's uh, artistic beauty. Gym. It's just not a pleasant, it's not a rewatch, not a rewatchable for me. But I like the beginning me, and the end. The middle For part. For me, as a fan, oh, that's what I like. I, I, that's, I mean, I love the series. That's what like uh, creates. Well, that's what we would be getting in season four. We just Lynch then stuff like that. That's what I want. Not need. I don't need anything. I want. Well, I think we solved everything. Any last thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> no. I think it was a mumbled mess, jumbled mess, and I'm reaching, I'm grasping. But uh, hey, the whole thing is. Can you imagine if we're still doing this like a year from now? What jumbled messes we're going to be? We're, we're like crazy people, like Howard Hughes with the boxes on our shoes, like saving our urine, fingernails, trying to figure out the theories on the wall. Do you think that our fans would want us to uh, talk about other things? Are they sick of talking about Twin Peaks? I'm trying to get you to watch other shows. Maybe some other things spread out. But would people listen to us talk about, like, you know, what? I don't like, know. Well, you know, fans, let us know on uh, Twitter. We have a Facebook page, Twitter. Find us on Twitter, Facebook. Give us some feedback uh, as to whether you want us to expand our milieu. Because I would well, certainly you know, do it. I watch a lot of shows. Um, yeah. So I'd yeah. be into it. But uh, I don't. But I did watch True Detective recently. I know. Really, I'm so really, really very proud of First you. season. That's very yeah, good. Very Congratulations. Good. Yeah. That's a start. Yeah. yeah. As the series has ended, we're still building the Twin Peaks multiverse around the podcast realm. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, for a year. We'll see you next time. So we didn't have any reference to Judy for until part 15. And then in part 17, Cole throws the Jowde bit in there. So for pretty much the first 14 hours of this series, there is no mention of Judy, nothing. And then they really throw it in there in part 15. And it becomes now all of a sudden, Judy is responsible for the entire part 18. There's overseeing it or manipulating it or something or in the Palmer house. And I just don't subscribe to that. 
yeah, I really feel that she is the queen of the Black Lodge, and you. I've been trying to get you to get on my side for the. I thought I had some movement last night a little bit. We had because I think you. I was trying to like, you know, okay, if it wasn't Judy, like, you you believe that it was the Lodge controlling that entire episode eighteen, right? It was it was it was we. That's what we agree on for one of the few things we agreed on. Is the giant or the fireman's clues, or they might not even be clues to Cooper in part one. It could just be him trying to tell Cooper to snap out of it to remember 430 Richard and Linda. But if it was the Lodge, why would the firemen be telling Cooper that? Uh, well, I think it was in retrospect. It's all about waking up. We've talked about this several times. Um, I think that was the, the reason was that he was trying to get him to wake up and remember what he had already gone through. So that scene uh, would take place at the end of part 18 at some point. Yeah, it could have taken place a bunch of times at the end of all these mysteries. <laughs> or the same thing happens again. He's back in the principal's office after his uh, failed mission, Groundhog Day number 8 million, and that, that he's trying to get him to... I don't know which one of those times that occurred, you know, because I think it's been going on for a while. We didn't just see it happen once. Maybe we saw it happen for the first time. But I feel like he's been in, like, what has he been, what has he been doing for the other 25 years, you know? So I think it's going to be going on forever. And at the end of every episode, or every misadventure he gets into in the lodge where he fails, he ends up in... Uh, the principal's office and that's what he hears there so. <laughs> well yeah no you say the 25 years i think that the there are any number of mysteries or adventures that cooper had in the intervening 25 years that we didn't see and it could be that this mission in part 17 bleeding into 18 could be adventure number you know 47 and you know we just didn't see the previous 46 it's possible yeah. i just don't think cooper was sitting there that entire time but the whole thing is that time is very nebulous in the black lodge so it could have just seemed like seconds to to cooper from the moment that he went in uh, at the end of or in part uh, or the end of the original series but he did you know he's aged but i think that's more of a product of reality with the actors um physical aging obviously i think that if lynch could somehow manipulate everyone to look a certain age i think that he would what about judy like do, uh, if judy is not in control yeah if judy's not in control of this like what what is her role because it seems like you know obviously gordon gave us that big thesis in 17 and it was all about at the very end like we see why was that judy's there you know why if, if she wasn't you know had nothing to do with it well that was the only reference to judy in part 18 was the eat at Judy's coffee shop. Judy did not was not referenced. At but any I mean, point. think of it this way: it carried over from Gordon's like two birds with one stone revelation. That's a huge retconning bomb that they dropped on us, and it continued on because you you already know that that's what Cooper's uh, uh, mission is to do is to kill two birds with one stone. So you know that he's going after Jow Day in eighteen without them having to even mention it. And then when you see the Judy sign, you're like, oh yeah, this is a part of it. You cannot go against nature Because when you do Go against nature Is part of nature too Our little lives get complicated it's a simple thing Simple as a flower And that's a complicated thing
tell to tell.